Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And uh, this is a, to the best way that I can put it, we're moving from, how many of you enjoyed our Anatomically Correct series? How many of you got something out of that series? Man, I, I, that was a, a really fun series, and there was a lot, of, a lot of hype in that series and a lot of energy in that series. Um, this series we're moving into is, if I'm, if I'm serious about it straight up front, this is a surgical series. How many of you like surgical stuff? <laughs> Not very many of us, but this is going to be a series where we're going we're gonna to meddle a little bit with some things, and more specifically, this thing right here, our hearts. And so I just want you to kind of prepare for that reality, but at the same time, I want you to lean in, because the work that I believe that God is going to do in our hearts and our lives over these next four weeks, I think, is going to be significant in nature. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. You guys ready for the word tonight? Here we go. It says this, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. And then Jesus says this, and this is probably one of the most um, uh, read pieces of scripture in the Bible. Many of us have heard this before somewhere, whether you've been in church before or never been in church before. And he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And then he says this. He's connecting verses 24 back to verse 19. Verse 22 and 23 were kind of like this ad lib in there. And then verse 24 connects back to the beginning section. And he says this. No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So today, as we begin our series, Buried Treasure, I want to speak to you from the subject, X marks the spot, as we deal with how our treasure and how our hearts are connected. Would you pray with me just one more time tonight? Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word tonight. And I pray in this moment that it would inspire us, challenge us, equip us. And in doing so, I pray that we'd be better for it. That we'd leave this place growing into something new. So I thank you for this moment that we have to gather together to worship, to be in your word. Would you bless this time? May these be your words, not my words. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Show of hands, how many of you have ever seen the movie The Goonies? Come on, do I have any, okay, most, okay, so we got cool people here tonight, all right, fantastic. I, I love, I don't know if you're like me, but I love the movie The Goonies, and uh, there's something about the fall that brings out my desire to watch this movie, and so um, more than likely there will be a slew of people across all of our services that are going to go home after tonight and potentially watch The Goonies this week, but there's something that I love about The Goonies, and it's this, is that I love this idea of finding buried treasure. I think that's why I loved that movie so much. These kids were on the search for something that they desired so they could save their town. And it was such a great movie. And it brought out, like, everything in the 80s. It brought out this sense of adventure, right? Because I love 80s movies. E.T., do, do I got some people in church tonight? That was a great movie, right? The 80s were the, uh, were the days where you could ride your bike outside. Remember, we used to stack two-by-fours in plywood as a ramp, and we would ride our bikes without our helmets, Right? That's how we rolled in the 80s. We played until the lights came on in the woods, and no one cared. Right? Those were the days that I grew up in, and I, and I loved those, those days, and I loved this, this movie because, like many of us, what the Goonies engaged in this, this treasure hunt, 
I think there's this thing innate inside all of us that desire to do the same thing. Well, it's a it's sense of adventure that we all have inside of us. And so the Goonies would set out for this, for this treasure. And Jesus right here connects a very interesting reality for us where he says that our heart is intrinsically connected to our treasure. And what I've come to realize is that no matter how old you are, no matter what stage you are in life, no matter where you find yourself in your faith, the journey, we are all searching for treasure. The difference is, is that it looks different and is defined different now that we are in an older age and stage. Our treasure is just different, but we are all in search of it. Every single day we wake up and we try to earn our treasure, work for our treasure, look for our treasure, strive for it, hustle for it, produce it. We long for it to add up, grow, multiply, and last. We are searching for what matters most to us, and this is why Jesus would say that where our treasure is, there our heart would be also. He's saying that your treasure is potentially more powerful than your heart. Notice he doesn't say that your heart leads your treasure. He says that your treasure leads your heart. And so we need to understand the definition of some of these words so that we can really dig in. Because I think so many times what we do is we'll hear a message like this. And, and I can already feel it right now. Some of us might be talking, okay, where is he going with this message? What's he going to be talking about? Like, all right, he threw that word money out and treasure and all this. What are we going to be dealing with right now? I want to help us see some Because so many times we create conjecture. We come up with ideas that aren't there. And so I want us to really help, I want to really help us understand what Jesus was digging at. So the first word we need to understand is treasure. Everybody shout treasure. 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 So this word that he uses for treasure is to create this idea, this picture for us, that treasure is not the what, treasure is the how we treat it. In other words, like if you have a treasure chest, for instance, you're going to have something within that treasure chest. But you're going to take that chest, you're going to bury it, you're going to hide it, you're going to put it in an attic somewhere. So what Jesus is wanting us to understand is that our treasure, he's not dealing with the what yet, he's dealing with the how we treat it. In other words, what is the thing in your life that means everything to you? What is the thing that you value above all things? What is the thing that you would go out of your way for? What is the thing that if it was taken away from you, you potentially start becoming Schmeagle? Those of the Lord of the Ring fans would understand what I'm talking about. All right? It's your treasure. And then he uses this other word. This treasure word is important for us to understand connected to the next one. He says money. You cannot serve God in money. Ever shout money? Money. Two terms that people don't like to talk about in, in, in church, sex and money, which we talk about both here a lot. That's why we have so many kids at this church. <laughs> money. Now, money, this term used, is the best English term that we could find. There's actually another word. The word that Jesus actually uses is the word mammon. Mammon. And it takes on a grander Reality, it's wealth, the personification of, of riches. It's the comprehensive word for all kinds of things, possessions, earnings, gains, a, a designation of material value. It, it actually has to do with the ability to value popularity and influence. And then if you culturally extend it, many of us have all kinds of different values that have the same weight as money. So now Jesus is saying this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be 
also. So here's the question we need to ask today. What is your treasure? For some of us, it's money. It's possession. It's material things. For some of us, it's our house. It's the cars that we drive. It's the clothes that we wear. It's the influence that we have. It's the education that we've worked hard for. It's the job that we want, desire, and or have. It's all of those things. For some of us, it's the amount of likes we get on Instagram. It's all of these things. For some of us, it's the simplest things or the grandest of things. What is your treasure? For some of us, our treasure is our hobbies. You ever met that person before? For some of us, our treasure is a season, like snowboarding or ski season. <laughs> Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. It's my precious. <laughs> what is your treasure? Because we have to understand something is that our heart and our treasure are intrinsically connected. So then the question is this, as we work through this series, today I want us to understand something very important. What does your treasure say about your heart? What does your treasure reveal about your heart? You know, the treasure can be the position that you have at your workplace. Your treasure could be a ministry position that you're in. Did you know I could treasure this church? You and I can treasure our gifts and our talents. It's the thing that if it were to be taken away from you, would potentially unravel who you are, where your treasure is that your heart will be also. So we need to understand some things about our treasure and what it reveals about our hearts. And so that's what I want to work through in the short amount of time that we have left together tonight. I want to work through three things that our treasure reveals about our hearts. Can we work with that tonight? I need your help. Every shot number one. The first thing that our treasure reveals is the attitude of our hearts. Our treasure reveals the attitude of our hearts. So once again, I love definitions, and simply by understanding the true definition of a word, we can come to a better and, and healthier conclusion about what these words mean in our lives. So attitude, here's the definition. A settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that then is reflected in a person's behavior. Person's behavior. So that which we treasure reveals the attitude or disposition of our hearts. Who are we really? I've got three kids, an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a one-year-old. The eight and the seven-year-old are, at this point in time, pretty well-behaved kids. They're well-mannered, and they're loving kids, and they're a lot of fun and everything like that. But there's these moments in their, in their life, and we see it happen a lot in our living room or when they are downstairs playing and everything like that. You know that somebody took something from the other one because all of a sudden, all chaos breaks loose. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right, all the parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, my kids are good and they're generally well-behaved until you take something from them. Until Shiloh takes something for justice. Until justice takes something from Shiloh. And all of a sudden, you see the disposition of their heart. Why? Because what was taken from them was theirs. But I've come to realize something. We don't grow out of that. Come on, somebody. Because when something is taken from you and I, we revert back to certain things that are potentially in our heart. Why? Because our treasure reveals the attitude of our hearts. What happens when that job that you love so much is taken from you? We're having cutbacks. Company's not doing well. It's not going the way. So we, we, we're needing to let you go. Or what happens when the job that you're desiring so much you're overlooked for, even though you believe you're qualified for it and somebody else gets it? 
And all of a sudden, sitting in your cubicle, you turn into Smeagol. Or worse, why did they get that? Can't believe they got that. Don't they know I'm awesome? I should have got I deserve that. Surgery. Because our treasure reveals what's in our hearts. See, it's this thing that we tend to lose a bit of control all of a sudden, and our attitude of, of our heart is revealed in turn changing the attitude of our behavior and our response. The reason that this happens is because somewhere along the way, we've come to believe that everything we have makes us who we are. It's the generative belief anchoring our treasure. This thing makes me who I am. Did you know if I can, in in complete honesty and, and, and vulnerability with our church, did you know that I can make what I do every single week standing behind this pulpit with a microphone? If I'm not careful, it can become my treasure. And I can believe that this that I do makes who I am. But the reality is, is that I've got to make sure that I'm in a place that if you were to strip everything away from me, I still stand confident that I am a son of God, that I'm loved, that I'm chosen that I have a destiny and a plan and a future. What is the treasure of your life? And so Paul says it like this to help us out because we've got to combat that lie with truth. Here's the truth, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul writing, he says, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself in. I know both how to make do with little and know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the question we got to wrestle with. If it was all taken away, no matter what the all is, could I still keep on moving forward because he strengthens me, not my treasure? See, my treasure. Here's the question. What's the attitude of our heart? If our treasure was taken from us tomorrow, what would our response be? How would we act? What would we say? Would we be people of contentment or contention? Would we be people of contentment or contention? So the first thing that our treasure reveals is the attitude of our hearts. Come on, Rashad, number two. Number two, you still with me tonight? All right, our treasure reveals the access, the axis of our hearts. Not the access to our hearts, but the axis of our hearts. In other words, our treasure reveals the location of our heart. That's why he says, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you have ever played the game Battleship? Come on, show of hands. See, Goonies and Battleship. These are my people at 5 p.m. tonight. I love that. I love that game. And if you haven't played Battleship before, it's simply two opponents, one on one side, one on the other, and you're figuring out these numbers and you're calling out these numbers so that you can find the location of Aaron's Battleship. And your sole purpose is to find these numbers so that you can sink Aaron's battleship. And Aaron's going to try to sink my battleship. So we're calling these numbers out. And the minute I get her locate, the location of her battleship, I'm going to start peppering her with all these other numbers so that I can hear her say, Jason, you sunk my battleship. Because I found the location, the axis of her battleship. In life and in faith, it is no different with the enemy of our soul. He is constantly looking for the axis of our heart so that he can sink the very thing that will sink us. And so when he finds that location, he starts peppering it with all kinds of different things so that if he can get to your heart, he can sink you. 
So when we treasure something, you ever been there before? You treasure a relationship, and all of a sudden the relationship's gone, and your world comes apart. B12. Dog, you sunk my battleship. He's looking for the location of your heart. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So all he needs to do is mess with your treasure. It's got to mess with your treasure. Have you ever had your treasure messed with before? Some of you are like, you're messing with my treasure right now. <laughs> C9. See, our treasure reveals the axis of our hearts. And I want to remind us all something. Jesus went through this as well. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, as you would be. Right? How I many of you know you don't eat that long, you're hungry? Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, after 40 days and 40 nights, a brother just wants a steak. Simple as that. I want a loaf of bread. I want cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. That's what I want. Come on, can I get an amen in church tonight? Right? Some of you are like, uh-uh. No, I eat clean. I eat cheddar biscuits. That's all I'm saying. So this is what Jesus says to him. He says, he answered, it's written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil was trying to find where Jesus' potential treasure's at. He goes on. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will give His angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So now he tries to see is Jesus' treasure, His power. His power. Jesus told him, and it's also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Now, is Jesus' treasure stuff and things, grandeur, wealth, popularity, all that stuff? And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and the angels came and began to serve him. This is the ultimate cosmic battleship match in which the enemy lost see it was impossible to tamper with the heart of Jesus because his treasure was with his father in heaven the enemy couldn't find the location of his heart because it was set upon a treasure that was not of this world and that's what I believe Jesus meant when he says to us in Matthew 6 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you where's your treasure what's your treasure and so the second thing that we need to understand about our treasures it reveals the axis of our hearts and the third thing is this ever shot number three yeah, three. Our treasure reveals the allegiance of our hearts. So our treasure reveals the attitude, the access, and the allegiance of our hearts. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. This is a hard scripture to deal with. You ever read the Bible before and you're like, nah, rip that page out. <laughs> Be like, oh, who would say that? Lots of people. Let's just remove that bit. I don't like that bit. 
pretty much everything in the Old Testament. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> Definitely Leviticus. <laughs> Some of you don't get that at all, but that's all right. Mark 10, 17 is, through 22 is one of those verses. Watch what happens between Jesus and a young man. Verse 17, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to get eternity? Jesus says to him, verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, no one is good except God alone. So the first thing that we can see happening in this piece of scripture right here is that the young man is assessing Jesus' deity. He understands that Jesus is God. We only call God good. So this young man knows who Jesus is. It's an assessment of Jesus' stature and power as God over everything. Watch what happens as it goes on. It says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. It's a big statement. Not only is he assessing who Jesus is, he now says, Jesus, I have done all the things that are required of me to do. I've done it all. I've kept all the statutes. I've kept all the rules. I've kept them from my youth. I showed up to church on time. I worshiped. I served in the kids' ministry. I greeted people at the doors. I lifted my hands during worship. I sang off key, but I sang. I gave. I did, I did, I did. And now what are we seeing? We're seeing a young man who's caught up in religion. And Jesus is about to press his heart with relationship. And so he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. And looking at him, I want you to hear this. Jesus loved him and then spoke to him. And this is very important for us to understand because so many times we have, a, we have an issue dealing with the truth that comes from Jesus because we don't understand it's coming from a place of love. We think it's coming from a place of judgment or criticism. So Jesus winds up, and we need to know the condition of Jesus' heart right here because this next statement is going to rock this young man's life. Jesus loved him and then spoke truth to him. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. See, Jesus deals with something that we all face in life, and that is the allegiance of our hearts. This man obeyed all the commands, yet could not abandon his cares. And I believe that for so many of us, it's easier to perform actions of religion as long as they don't interfere with the allegiance of our heart. Come on, am I talking to anybody tonight? Because religion is the cold, stale mechanism that says if I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this, then I will get that. And Jesus is saying, I do not want your religion. I want your heart. I want relationship with you. I don't care what it is that you do if you're not willing to give me your heart. And that's where some of us default. We default to religion. Why? Because it's easier to do A, B, C, and D, right? Come on, can we be honest in church tonight? Sometimes you've ever walked out and just been like, can you just give me a list? Just a simple list. That's all I need. One, two, three, A, B, C. 
look at me. I'll put it up in my fridge, make it happen every day, I'll check it, I'll post it on Facebook, because it didn't happen if it's not out there. Right? But our treasure reveals the allegiance of our, of our hearts. So here's the question that we have to ask. <laughs> what is the allegiance of our hearts tonight? There's a study that was done, this interesting thing that happened in a zoo as they were studying monkeys. How many of you ever, like me, just feel like a monkey sometimes? Just a monkey. I tell my kids that I call monkeys all the time. Crazy monkeys. And so these zookeepers, trying to learn about monkeys more and more, did this project. They threw a banana in a cage. The cage didn't have a trap. Didn't have anything sharp in there that was going to hurt the monkey or anything like that. But they put a trap in the monkey's cage with a banana in it. And then they paid attention to what the monkey would do. And so as they watched, the monkey came over. <laughs> I had to throw that in there tonight. <laughs> and reaches into the cage, grabs a banana. And then this is where it got really interesting. The monkey would try to pull the banana out of the cage. Constantly trying to pull, constantly trying, trying to finagle it and work it out. But they made the cage in such a way that a banana, right, wasn't going to come out of the cage. Because they were trying to elicit a different response in the monkey. And here's what they discovered. As these zookeepers could nonchalantly walk up to the monkey and capture him because he refused to let go of the banana. Because all the monkey needed to do was simply let go of the banana and pull his hand out. And he would not be trapped. He was trapped by his own desire. And I wonder how many times in life are we a monkey with a banana? Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so many times we fail to realize in life that many of the traps that we're in are simply because we don't want to let go of the banana. God, I like my job too much, so much. It makes me who I am. I studied this long. I went into this much debt for the education. I can't let go of this thing. God, I love this relationship. It's not the healthiest relationship, and I know it's not what you want for me, but I can't let go of the relationship. God, I love my stuff and things. I didn't have stuff and things when I was a kid or growing up, so this stuff that I have, that I've bought, that I've worked hard for, that I've slaved over, it's, it's mine and I don't really want to let go of it. I love this position. I love this addiction. I love this, 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 this. And I'm wondering if there's a moment in our lives where we got to let go of the banana. Got to let it go. Because here's the deal. Jesus lets us know that he who is willing to lose his life for the sake of him will find everything that he's desired in life. Herman Bavinck once wrote, God and God alone is man's highest good. God is the source and the sustainer of all good. He and he alone is the abundant fountain of all goods. And so here's what I want us to hear tonight and something that's vital for us to, to grab a hold of and let sink into our soul tonight. And before I read this, and this is something I felt like God just last night put on my heart, so I wrote it down. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. 
because I want us to receive this tonight. It's something vital for all of us to understand. And this is what I felt God really wanted me to portray tonight. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this tonight. Our greatest satisfaction is found in the greatest treasure ever known and ever given. He is the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the one that authors joy, gives peace, secures hope, inspires faith, tempers doubt, annihilates fear, and soothes pain. He is the one that is in all things, before all things, and works through all things. He is the one that death could not defeat and the grave could not keep down. He is the one who came to give life and life to the fullest, and in him we find everything that we need. He and he alone is the treasure worth finding. And here's what we need to hear today is that the ex- is the cross that marks the spot where we find him. The cross will always be the X, marking the spot where he gave his life for you and I, where he sacrificed it all. He became the treasure worth pursuing. He became the treasure worth finding. He became the treasure worth giving everything up for. He is the treasure that changes everything, fulfills everything, brings hope to everything. He alone is our greatest treasure. So I wonder tonight if it, you've found the X marking the spot. We're all searching. Can I tell you, I've been a monkey many, many times in my life. We do not preach from a pulpit of perfection. We, pre- we preach from a place of process. And I don't know, maybe you're in that spot tonight where it's time to let go of some things. I wonder where your treasure is. Because like Jesus said, where our treasure is, that our heart will be awesome. And ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. Surgery is necessary sometimes.